This is Tea Time with a Medium, a podcast about wellness, healing, and communicating with the afterlife. Brought to you by Angeline Young, broadcasting positive and upbeat insights on life after life. Hello, gentle listeners, and welcome to Tea Time with a Medium. I'm your host, Angeline Young. Today, we're talking with Sierra Valles, healer, educator, and musician based in Detroit, Michigan. We're in for a very special treat because Sierra has brought several offerings to share with us today. First, she's going to open with a ritual to honor the seven sacred directions. Then she's going to talk to us about Dia de los Muertos, a cultural tradition of the Mexica people, which honors loved ones living in the spirit world. We'll wrap it up with Sierra's special recipe for atole, a corn-based meal that you can create and share to have an embodied experience that honors your loved ones on the other side. Today's episode is a special dedication to Joseph Yang, who recently passed. He was my uncle. He is my uncle. Very sweet man and... Thank you, Sierra. Welcome, please. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me. And before anything, I'd like to honor my sacred abuelos, my elders, my teachers who have come before me, come before us. And today in particular, we do honor Joseph Yang, who has made the transition from this earthly plane to the next. We ask him to stay close to us throughout this recording to help us stay focused on our purpose and go about our words in a good way. We ask for guidance and protection for Angeline's family so that they may walk in a good way that is true to their heart and their uniqueness. We open the seven directions beginning in the east, the direction of sun and fire to guide our passion movement, and new beginnings. We open ourselves to the south, the direction of our emotional body, our learning remains grounded and focused. We open ourselves to the west, direction of water and our physical selves, our blood, Mother Earth's blood, moving strong, flexibly, and providing us with opportunities for reflection. We open ourselves to the north, direction of wind and our spiritual selves, our breath and our voice and the voice of our ancestors. We open ourselves to the space below, the direction of our Madre Tierra, Mother Earth, and our connection to her and to the soil. We open ourselves to the space above, the direction of the sky and the wonders of the cosmos where we may find infinite wisdom and movement. We open ourselves to the space within, the direction of our inner wisdom, inner light and our authenticity where we may in time become our entire selves. As we honor these seven directions, the elements and energies who guide my heart and my words, I offer gratitude and con permiso, with permission, we will begin. Ometeo. Permiso. 
Thank you, Sierra. How beautiful. Thank you. Important to start things in a good way, I think. Ah, yes, a good way. So, Sierra, tell us about your heritage and how your roots inspire that beautiful opening, as well as your pursuit for beauty and healing in the world, beauty that's so present in your energy and in your voice and your intention. Thank you. I, I come from uh, the Mexica tradition, and uh, maybe folks might better know that as the Aztec. Uh, folks who lived in the Mesoamerican region of Turtle Island, North America, for many, 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 many eons, um, and what we might call present-day kind of Mexican-American. So I was born stateside, um, but I was born stateside with a lot of entanglement um, with different traditions, and there's Catholic um, influence, there is Indigenous influence, there is all kinds of influence to kind of came together to create uh, what we, what I <laughs> am actively unpacking as my own kind of cosmovision, uh, which the way I kind of conceive of that is a particular understanding of the world, uh, especially as it relates to a view of time and space and how I go about ritualizing that and the representation and enactment um, in this kind of pantheistic worldview that we've got going. And in this view, it's very important, I think, to share that the entire universe is sacred. And when we open ourselves to those seven uh, sacred directions, it is because we are connecting with the energies and the spirits and the tangible <laughs> um, elements that are, are coming together to create this world that that we all inhabit yes i love how you speak about the complexity of being that we are really connected to that which is ephemeral spirit and that which is tangible fire wind the earth and water what can you share with people who would like to connect more deeply, but maybe they're hesitant because they don't have Mexica heritage or they don't have a designated ethnicity or, I mean, everyone has a cultural background, but there are those of our listeners who don't feel connected to a heritage in a deep, deep way like you do, what can we say to them to help them move into ritual with consciousness, respect, and awareness? That's a, that's a beautiful question, and I think it comes up a lot, um, rightfully so. I think we are all maybe a little bit nervous sometimes about reconnecting to the earth, reconnecting to ways that have been kind of turned and, and molded into, into something maybe that they're not. And I, I would say that the first thing is to begin to notice what is calling to you. Um, I 
think we move through life so quickly a lot of times that when we pause, things will jump out to you. And, and maybe that's the entry point. Maybe it was, you know, some beautiful bird that crossed your path. Maybe it was the sensation of grass underneath your bare feet. Um, maybe it was the feeling of the wind in your hair blowing a kite or something where we can take that pause and that's the entry to begin to notice and then become interested about what is my relationship with this sensation, with this being, this bird that crossed my path, with whatever it may be. And there is, there is no appropriation, certainly, in grounding oneself and becoming sensitive and heightening your awareness to the things that are already happening around you. I love your advice to listeners about taking pause. There are many cultures that take pause and invite silence. And I, I agree that it is really just about connecting and grounding and what calls to you. So thank you for reinforcing that for those listeners out there mm. who are seeking to connect. It's a very practical way to invite divine intelligence into the pause and to see what comes. Mm -hmm. During your opening ritual, we had dedicated it to my uncle who had just passed. And as we were sending our energy out to the universe to connect with him, my aunt who had passed a week earlier, really last week, I had just found out today uh, she jumped in and said, hey, what about me? So I want oh. to take this pause and to honor everyone on the other side, not just those who have recently passed, but those who are still, as you said, Sierra, who are still close to us and with us in spirit, no matter oh. how much time has passed. Spirit is always with us. So I'd like to invite you, Sierra, with all your wisdom and knowledge to talk about how our listeners should understand Dia de los Muertos. Yes, Dia de los Muertos is, is a, a really important tradition um, and, and it's a very interesting tradition that has evolved uh, considerably over time. So um, it is not, you know, Mexican Halloween, <laughs> um, although there are some overlaps and I think that's important, you know, if that's the inn um, because it happens at a similar time of year, that's just fine. Um, but Dia de los Muertos specifically has evolved um, from in a, a traditional Mexica um, ceremony in which the kind of guardian or, or the, the metaphorical guardian of, of the underworld is honored to continue to keep her eyes and awareness on those who have passed. And it wasn't until the conquest with the introduction of Catholicism that it really kind of began to morph into what we know it as today. 
So what we kind of experience today is um, this exploration of death from a place of joy and celebration. Mm. So Dia de Muertos is grounded in two days, although, you know, many, many people do it much, you know, it's the entire month of October into November, there's no time limit. Um, but the, the Catholic uh, influence is what kind of keeps it on November 1st and 2nd, all souls and all saints. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does line up in that way, mostly to avoid persecution um, during the 1500s. So now we have this incredible fiesta, this big party, in which it is an opportunity to celebrate and to honor and to be joyful and show our respect and our admiration for those who have passed. So what will typically go on, what goes on in our house, for example, um, is that round about the beginning of October, we start collecting items that can be um, foods, it can be drinks, it can be art, Um, photographs certainly are typical and what we do is we have a designated place in our home the altar right altare and in this space for this time of year we build and we build and we build and we create art and we offer music and by the end of the month and that November 1st and 2nd the entire 12 in my case (laughs) 12 foot countertop is filled with all of the things that my loved ones who have departed enjoyed, um, their favorite foods, pictures of them doing joyful things, candles, flowers in particular, we'll talk about that in a minute, and we bring all of this together in celebration to recognize that death is a natural part of our human experience. It is a continuum. We are born, we have childhood, we grow up, and we die. We will all die. And as that cycle goes on, we continue to remember those who have passed. And as time goes on, the altar gets larger. And the ofrendas, the things that we offer, are for those people. So every year, this big art installment basically looks different and it's never the same way twice and I think that's also really important um, as it is constructed you're going to be feeling differently and maybe you're remembering different things about different people and so you bring those things in I would like to also mention that we do include our furry family members is very important Um, that they are remembered during these celebrations. And as we kind of begin to take down those decorations and the big art installment, it's all part of that same continuum, that same circle, the circle of, of life. It is beautiful to celebrate. And it is also beautiful to take those things down and to know that we will do it again and it will be different the next year. There are some of our listeners who have a really difficult time feeling their loved ones around them. And altare, is that how you say it in Spanish? Yeah, you got it. Altare can really help 
to create a sacred space for us to draw them close to us. So, Sierra, could you talk about your experience of how you might feel them drawing close to you as you create, uh, construct, build this beautiful offering on your 12-foot table and <laughs> how, how those conversations might change as you're deconstructing and, and closing that circle? Mm. Yeah, it, it, it really does feel different. Um, during the construction, it is, in my experience, very hard at first for me. Um, I do feel a lot of the sad and a lot of the longing at mm. first. Um, but that energy shifts as the construction takes place and as things become added, it, it shifts to a presence. There is a presence. And the more intentional I have been about the kinds of things that I use, physical types of things I use to remember, the more... I think intentional that connection has become over the years. And now I think sharing that with my, my child as well brings a very, children are so, <laughs> so much more open and aware than I am sometimes, certainly my child is. And so having that energy has allowed a a growth and, and and kind of an excitement and it can feel hard at first I think is something important um, because it's maybe a challenge to feel all of the feelings when looking at photographs in particular or a type of candy bar that so-and-so used to just adore and always had with them and things like that but over the years and kind of in building that relationship so intentionally, those things become more comfortable. It becomes not a sad longing, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to be with these feelings to an, oh, that used to be my mama's favorite thing. And what a joy that I can look at this photograph. I can talk to her. I can take that shot of tequila <laughs> and I can feel her. And then when it's time to deconstruct and to close that door, it's not really closing in the same way over time. It's, it becomes an opportunity to much in the way we talked about with the opening and the connections of our seven sacred directions it becomes an opportunity to notice those times throughout your day throughout your week when it's not um, quite as big um, and and uh, festivist to notice the things that oh my mama used to really like 
having a can of pop with a taco or whatever it was. Um, but we begin to notice those things more throughout the year. So even in the deconstruction, it's not really a closing of that circle. It's an invitation for more subtle and nuanced noticing, I think. I love the idea of it being an invitation. And as you mentioned, it's important to remember they're not just for our loved ones, but they're also for those who are incarnate, those who are in their physical bodies. Sierra, could you talk about what you tell your son for those listeners who are struggling to understand how to talk to their kids and their little ones about passings and transition? Yeah, it's my my son is four. He's about to be four and it has been, I think, very useful to have opportunities to in very intentionally um, speak about those who are no longer on this plane with us um, in ways that are that are true, that are that are real, and in ways that honor kind of developmentally where children are at. Um, so with my son, we talk about, you know, these people used to be here physically like mama and papa are, and they're not here physically anymore. And of course that leads to him saying, well, that, that makes me feel sad. I wish I could know them. At which point, there's that kind of invitation, that call to, you wish to know them. How might you get to know them? What might you say? What do you think they would say back to you? And I, I would say that I have been personally just stunned <laughs> and taken aback with the amount of clarity and, and understanding and <laughs> um caring with which my kiddo has kind of gone through that exercise and it really opened the door for him to be able to feel comfortable and confident to to talk to his his elders and his abuelos that are no longer among us physically and and he does and I think that he really does feel them around him and sometimes he will say I do feel sad they're not here physically, but he'll qualify it. So he knows that they are always present in the ways that that, that I, I believe that they are. And he's exploring that for himself now. And I would say to folks who maybe don't come from a tradition where death is, is common or discussed, that it can really ease a lot of those developing existential fears that children do possess. We like to think sometimes as adults that maybe children are less complicated, but I don't think that could be further from the truth. <laughs> Thank you for sharing how you answer the call. 
and how you attend to your child's curiosity about transitions, I'd like to remind everyone that creativity and imagination, how we imagine we might speak to our children, how our children might imagine connecting with our loved ones in spirit, Creativity and imagination are a sign of divine intelligence and genius. And as we use our imaginations, remember that they are a tool for us, a portal through which we can move to connect on a more deep and profound level in a sensory way, in a spiritual way with our loved ones on the other side. And Sierra really is bringing so much to this conversation when she talks about collecting items, objects, making offers to our loved ones. Remember that those of you who have a hard time with objects, I know I do, I have given a lot away so that I can create space to be with spirit. Remember that objects don't necessarily... Well, let me ask this to Sierra. Can the objects be found objects? Do they have to be objects that belong to our loved ones who are no longer here physically? Is oh, there a way to charge them with an energy of love so that they have meaning on on the altar. Oh, what a beautiful question. Absolutely. When we are remembering and reconnecting and grounding ourselves in our ancestors, how the 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 objects, what you decide, what kind of incense you burn, if you don't burn any, what kind of flowers you use or not, any of those kinds of things are going to be what speaks to you. Because while we are honoring those who have transitioned, we are doing it on this side. And when we do it on this side, I think that it is about the intention way more than it could be about the, the physical objects, in particular for those who have maybe really complicated um, understandings or complicated relationships with their ancestors where there is love but maybe there is a lot of other things going on um, perhaps it would be activating to have um, photographs or or you know personal artifacts of that person when they were earth side so I think it's a it's an, a perfectly um wonderful and important practice for those who are looking for um, a ritualization kind of in the way that we're talking about today to take that pause and be drawn to whatever they are drawn to and celebrate that attention and that awareness in whatever way feels right to them absolutely could it be maybe sitting and watching the sunset? Is that acceptable? 
Yes, there is no right. That's the beauty. That is the beauty of these practices, if you ask me, <laughs> and you did, um, is that it is, it is anything done in a good way. And, you know, it, there's lots of different kinds of ways one could qualify the word good. Mm. But you'll know what that is for you. And mm. you'll know what that means and how it feels in your body and in your soul and in your energy, your tailed, so that that connection is still being made. I think that that connection can be established anytime one is interested enough to establish it. And that can be through objects, that can be through action, that can be through words, through breath, through, you know, I, there was a time that I was not in a place both physically um, and geographically and financially to build an altare. And uh, I shared, I shared my words. I went into the, into the forest behind my house and I, I spoke my ofrendas because that's what I was called to offer. So it can be anything anyone is drawn to because I think that our folks, our ancestors, those who have transitioned, know. Thank you. Sierra, we would love to hear more about what you do as a healer, as an educator, as a musician. What other modalities do you work in? And what are you working on right now that's most exciting to you? Oh, goodness. I, I have, I've had a journey. I'm, I'm still having it. <laughs> um, I began, I, I've been a musician my whole life, and I'm a drummer. And I never, it took a long time, not I never, it took a long time to get to a point that I understood that part of why I sought out the drum in particular was a, a longing for the kind of connection that we are talking about. And I, as a very young child, discovered the heartbeat that was the drum and that really kind of put me on a path of, well, I think everybody should should music. This is incredible. I feel that kind of divine um, energy when I am making music. And that that put me on a course to be a music educator for, for many, many years. And over the course of doing that work, um, I realized that music is beautiful and wonderful as a medium but what I was really doing was doing soul work and doing light work with with the folks that I was teaching and music was my way in um, which is why there are always so many ways in <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing to remember and so that really pushed me to realize I wanted to develop my my helping skills um, which led to uh, um, shifting my career from education in the kind of, uh, you know, K-12 and college, I am an educator sense to uh, mental health and, and therapy. So I became trained uh, as a yoga therapist 
first. And that training uh, really awakened a desire for continuing to help people from a, a mental health perspective but we're not just our minds, we are our minds and our bodies. So that really drove me to wanna bring in the, the yoga therapy aspects and the connections because we have all of this beautiful science um, describing the ways in which our minds and bodies are connected and the agency and the power we have um, to connect those two in, in ways that bring balance and harmony. So now I am in the process of uh, developing my skills further in graduate school, uh, hopefully knock on something made of wood to uh, eventually come out the other side in a few more years as a clinical psychologist specializing in adolescents and teens. Those were the folks that I taught and that is what I am most passionate about. Uh, mental health and wellness in teenagers and adolescents and, and the development of skills and strategies and ways of being that will support progress and support happy and, and functional good ways of being in this world for, for our youth. So that's where I'm at now and I am loving every minute of it <laughs> um, and it's a challenging place to be this world sometimes and I am a huge proponent of the sooner we can get folks access to resources and to support whether that be through therapy or through group support um, the, the better off we're all going to be I hope. <laughs> With your expertise in mental health and wellness and healing from a holistic perspective, Sierra, what practical tips do you have for our listeners for wellness? Yeah, that's that's a lo that's a loaded one. That's hard. Um, Maybe some simple things that you do yourself that sure. are really easy to do. Yeah, I think it's all about what this kind of ties into everything we're talking about but what kind of speaks to you a lot of a lot of clinicians will say you know mindfulness meditation but I think it's important to qualify that mindfulness and meditation does not necessarily equate to sitting silently for as long as you can and trying to empty your mind we know that it doesn't really work that way um, and so when we're thinking of these practical ways um, to care for ourselves, I think that it can be really distilled down to movement. What kind of movement is up to you, but I, I have to move my body. That can be in a practice of yoga. That could be in a practice of kickboxing. It could be walking around the yard. It could be lying on my back and breathing um, because we know of course that when respiration is taking place movement is occurring so when I say movement we can really use that as a blanket term for any kind of movement that is feeling right to you and that that can change day to day another thing that is kind of 
a requirement, certainly for me, uh, is music. I listen and uh, participate in all kinds of music. So it doesn't, you know, you bop into the radio can be an act of mindfulness. Are you moving your shoulders? Have you noticed your heart rate, perhaps, in training to the beat of the music? All of these amazing things. Maybe you're not doing any of that consciously, but if listening to that music brings you joy, that is releasing all of those wonderful, helpful chemicals in your brain that we are hoping to have, the dopamines, the serotonins, et cetera. Um, and then I would say that this is going to differ for different folks, depending on where you are geographically and what is around you. But being outside is certainly something um, that I, I tend to crave and I tend to notice significant improvements, um, even just going and standing outside for five minutes, uh, sitting outside, whatever kind of is, is most comfortable or easily accessible to you. Um, having that experience of not being in of doors is something that can be helpful for a lot of folks. And when that isn't available, um, we have a lot of other options. Some of, we always talk about the negatives of technology, but like there are awesome positives too. Like you can go on to YouTube and do a, a train tour of various places and it's just beautiful nature um, and things like that. So even if it, you know, you're living maybe in a very urban area and getting outside to the woods isn't an option, there are ways to bring that in. Because again, I think it's more about the intention than it is about, am I doing this right? Is this nature-y enough? Is it, you know, we tend to qualify everything so heavily all the time of, am I doing it right? And the answer is yes and no, <laughs> both and. <laughs> We're all just making it as best we can. And I think that those, those three are, are most important to me. Um, and if someone does suggest to you mindfulness, I would encourage you to explore the many, many, many <laughs> ways that one can be mindful. We can mindfully walk the dog. We can mindfully pet the cat. We can mindfully wash dishes. We can mindfully play Candy Crush. It is possible. <laughs> there are ways to do it. And it is about the intention. And those things tend to help me. Thank you, Sierra. Gentle listeners, you have gotten three very practical wellness tools from Sierra. That is movement, music, and light in nature, all done with intention. Sierra, before we move to sharing your recipe, I'd like to ask, is there a website where listeners can learn more about what you do and perhaps contact you? I am always available via email at Sierra Valles, just my name, at gmail.com. For anyone interested, I have book lists, I have resources, I have all kinds of things not specifically rooted in Mexica tradition, 
but largely influenced thereby. What kind of services can listeners expect from you? Yeah, I will be offering mental health support and one-on-one counseling. I will be offering yoga therapy, one-on-one and group and symptom specific settings. I will be offering limpias and various spiritual cleansings and coaching for those who are interested. And that will all be taking place in the Detroit metro area, as well as the Chicagoland metro area. And all of Sierra's information will be listed in the show notes. So if you would like to reach out to her for support, healing, and light, there will be a way for you to contact her. Now, we'd love to hear your recipe for atole along with the history and what do we do with it? (laughs) For sure. I think this is one of my favorite recipes. It is a family favorite. It's an everybody favorite. Um, It was when the conquest took place, the Spanish actually, uh, the translation of this drink was the drink of the gods, nectar of the gods type of thing. Um, But it is really a rather thin kind of porridge uh, that is often served at uh, Dia de los Muertos because of the time of year. It's a nice warm drink and it's got uh, a little bit of sugar and some good stuff in it that just kind of helps us feel a little bit full and happy. And this one is often drunk when at the time of Dia de los Muertos, folks are sharing stories of their loved one. This is kind of around the campfire, sipping this drink and, and remembering all of the funny, fantastic and wonderful things that they did. So the really great thing about this recipe too, uh, it is typically made with whole milk, but that can totally be changed to your liking. So you can use a milk alternative um, or anything else that uh, that works for you. You can make it with water. It won't taste quite as good, <laughs> but it is possible. So you, what you will do is on a stove top or over an open flame, three cups of your whole milk or milk alternative, a quarter cup of filoncillo, which is like a Mexican brown sugar, or if you can't find that where you are, brown sugar is just fine. And then a quarter cup of masa, which is stone ground corn. So this is not the same thing as corn starch or corn flour, although it is sometimes called corn space flour, (laughs) Uh, F-L-O-U-R, and then cinnamon and whatever spices speak to you. Um, And then you heat it up and it gets this lovely thick consistency and you can leave it on the stove for as long as it takes for the sugar to melt. And that's it. It could not be easier. It's super delicious. You can add vanilla, cloves, allspice, any Thing that is, you know, pumpkin pie spice, whatever is speaking to, to your tastes and to your fancy. Um, and as it is, it is drunk, to uh, take a moment and, and recall those who have passed and appreciate the warmth and the sensation of being able to drink something like atole with those who are still on this side is how we celebrate that. Thank you for sharing that lovely remedy, that lovely warmth. Sierra, I'd like to ask, do you have a ritual for closing? We close with a new opening. Everything is circular. Everything continues on. And with our intentions set at the beginning, we take a moment and a deep intentional breath. 
We say thank you, plazo kamati, no gracias, ometeo. Tierra, thank you for sharing your light with us today. Thank you so much. Plazo kamati. I hope that was helpful for you. You've been listening to Tea Time with a Medium, brought to you by Angeline Young. Broadcasting positive and upbeat insights on life after life. If you'd like to collaborate with us, or if you'd like to hear us cover a topic of interest to you, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call and leave us a message at 520-789-6248. Whenever you're ready for a spirit connection, visit us at angelineyoung.com. Remember, be yourself, seek the truth, and the path will unfold before you.